We are in our number two, Puck and Gas from the Carter Volkswagen Studio. Uh, joining us now on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, he was there all last night. He had to deal with Furness. Then he goes from uh, Furness to Softy, and then he has to end his night uh, staring at me and wondering what the hell happened to my career that I'm staring across <laughs> the table from Jason Puckham. But here he is, our executive, a longtime uh, member of front offices with the Carolina Panthers, also the Rams, Tony Softly, joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Hey, Tony. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Nothing, buddy. You get uh, you get much sleep last night. We ra- we uh, we finished up uh, kind of late last night, but uh, here we go again. It's uh, it's uh, round two and three, the second day of the draft. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. It's uh, checking in with Ian at two, and and looking forward to that. And and I heard you. Uh, you know, I, I love uh, working with you and Chuck and and Hugh. Uh, it's it's a highlight of the draft, man. There's no question about that. The second day, it, it's fun. The first day, there's so much pomp and circumstance, and there's ten minutes between picks, and it's a it's a huge dog and pony show that's put on, and everybody gets caught up in it. I'm assuming that in your business, Tony, over the years, the second and third day is when you really start cutting the cards a little bit and trying to really make not that your first round pick should be ignored or not thought of, but you know what I mean. It, it becomes a little more intricate now and a little speedier, right? Yeah, it comes speedier. You know, as you mentioned, the first round is a big show. I mean, it's the uh, you know, it's the it's the biggest uh, bonanza of NFL. It's the it's the biggest offseason event other than Super Bowl. So uh, the first round, you just kind of take it in, uh, make sure that you're handling your business, but you have to really hone in uh, on the second day, and then it gets even faster. Uh, rounds four through seven things start to speed up you got to be more precise on your thinking uh, your scenarios have to be in check you have to be in tune to what's going on not only on your board but what's going on within the draft that might affect your board and where you might move or where you might uh, suggest to your your head coach and, and the coordinators where uh, the direction you should take uh, it, it's it does speed up it really does let me give you some uh, some news on the Seahawks just uh, coming down uh, via uh, Adam Schefter, also uh, Ian Rappaport. Uh, this has nothing to do with, with uh, Earl Thomas, uh, but Byron Maxwell. They have re-signed Byron Maxwell today to a one-year uh, deal that could be worth up to $3 million. So Byron Maxwell is is going to remain a member of the Seattle Seahawks and giving them, of course, some depth there in that cornerback position, Tony. Yeah, that helps, and that was the big question. When will they sign him after the draft, uh, you know, during, uh, you know, as they head into the offseason and the OTAs and mini camps? Uh, it's good to get him in the fold, only a one-year deal, so that still tells me uh, they have an eye on a young corner to help them in their depth and come in and compete for that uh, left cornerback position. Tony, for people who weren't listening last night when it happened, give us some thoughts uh, from, from your eyes on, on the first-round pick, on, on Penny. What do, you, what do you think about this and, uh, and the decision to draft a running back? You know, a decision to draft a running back, I was all for it. I've been uh, all for that since the end of last season. I've been pounding that for the last couple months, uh, you know, regionally, nationally, and obviously locally on KJR. But, uh, uh, you know, I was a little surprised on, on the pick. Uh, and only surprised because, you know, I, I start out, uh, you know, looking at probably about 1,500 players around the, around the uh, NCAA. Then down, I whittle it down to 800, get down to about 350, and then I fine-tune it for 112 that I invite to the NFLPA game. So, I, 
you know, my, I, the guys that I ranked that are on my website, TonySoftly.com, was 247 ranked this year that I thought were draftable. And I had Penny ranked sixth of those running backs. Hmm. Um, the level of competition, uh, you know, there's a few things, uh, you know, third down blocking, um, you know, not not all his – a lot of his runs and plays are uh, big hits, home run alleys. Uh, he doesn't have to create space uh, and defy angles and then get out. Um and you see some open field running, but the, it's the tight running space that really bothered me a little bit. Um, but the, when I saw him compete at the combine, it really changed my eyes. Uh, just his acceleration, um, his burst, his change of direction. Um, I, w- I was very pleasantly surprised and, and really had to change my grade on the guy. I still left him sixth. I thought that, uh, you know, Geis and Sony Michelle, uh, Royce Freeman uh, were guys ahead of him, obviously Barkley. Um, but this is a good running back, and, and he's, in a, he's a hell of a kick returner. Um, and, and so I'm excited to see. I'm excited they picked the running back one, but I'm excited to see this guy in a Seahawk uniform and really how they utilize his skills and how he grows over the years and how he develops. Of all the qualities of a running back and things to improve on, is, is third down blocking, is that the easiest to teach a, a running back coming into the league, how to, how to become better at that? Well, you know what, Puck, it's, uh, there, there's two things to being a third-down uh, blocking running back, and, and one is the want to. You've got to be a tough ass. You have to be able to stick your face in there and block, you know, blitzing linebackers and safeties off the edge. And the second thing is is recognizing where the pressure is coming from and making sure you're right on your fits because if the offensive line is turning to the left and you're supposed to be outside but you turn to the left with them, all of a sudden you get your quarterback blown up. So it's, it's assignment-driven. But also, you have to be a tough guy. You've got to be able to stick your face in there uh, and compete at the point of attack. It doesn't mean it won't work out, and I think it, it very. You know, who knows what will happen? But it sounds to me like with him ranked sixth on on your rankings, and you put a lot of work into this, you describe this as a bit of a reach. Reaches sometimes play out fine, but but the, that that end of it would. It, it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that is that a fair characterization? Yeah, I wouldn't say reach. I, I, this is a good football player. Uh, you know, he is, he's got uh, some things to learn, like all of them do. I wouldn't think that there's none of the guys that I ranked ahead of him that were solid third-down blocking backs. Okay. They all, they're all going to need that work. Um, you know, I, I would say he's not a reach, but he's just going to need some development. And I like the skill set that he brings to the table. You look at him, and I mean, it's it's if you've you've caught a few games of him this year, you know, when they when he was obviously at San Diego State. You watch him on that CBS Sports Network, which is always like having them on late night. I mean, he's 5'11", 225 pounds. And, Tony, we discussed it last night. He ran the third fastest 40. I mean, so he looks like when the guys get off the bus, I don't know, he just he looks to me like, okay, well, that, that looks like a, a, a prime running back. The level of competition, that's going to be something we talked about last night. Geis obviously had it when he was playing in the SEC. Michelle, Chubb, all those guys. They were playing against better a quality competition. Um, I know we're we're rehashing this, but the the he doesn't have a lot of uh, wear and tear because he he was the featured back really only one season. That was last year. His junior season, he split carries with Humphrey. He had like a little over a hundred carries. How much is that a benefit to him entering the NFL? Oh, that's a huge benefit. And, and I said that about Royce Freeman, which I really contemplated making Royce sixth and and uh, Penny fifth just because of that reason because Royce has got a lot of tread off the tires. He's had a lot of carries. So when you go back and you look at the touches and you start counting it up between the top six guys that I, that I looked at, 
he had 613 career touches less than those guys. And that, that is what two seasons. Uh, so, uh, you know, not a lot of tread off the tire, uh, you know, three time mountain West player of the year, special teams guy as a kickoff returner, he brings a lot of that to the table. The more things you can do in the national football league, the better or any, in any uh, form of life as well. Uh, but th- this guy is, uh, he's very, very interesting. Uh, and like uh, myself, a lot of people had him as the fifth, sixth, or seventh round running back, and a lot of people had him uh, in the middle to the uh, bottom of the second round as I talked to some people uh, across the uh, country this morning. Depending on how his, uh, you know, the summer goes and then into camp and then getting ready for game one, do you, do you envision them using him to return kicks at all, or are his days doing that? If, if he can be your everyday back, that's not necessarily a risk you want to run, is it? No, I'm not doing that. I heard that. I heard them say that yesterday. That's a great thought. You know, I mean, you better try to go get a kick returner or a specialist later right. in the draft, right? Because you know, you're you're you you know, you traded back, got acquired some picks, what you wanted to do, and you accomplished that. You got a hell of a running back here to stick him back there on a kickoff uh, to get blown up. I, I just to me that that doesn't make much sense. He's going to be your bell cow. It's going to be him and, and Chris Carson going to compete for that number one. Uh, I think he will emerge as the guy. Uh, and, and that'll be it. Uh, go get go get a kick returner. Go get a punt returner somewhere else in the draft. Today, let's say, right now they only have the one pick, Tony. Seventy six overall, the twelfth pick uh, there in the third round. They have a lot of areas they need to address. Is there a more pressing area that they should uh, address first? You know, I, I think uh, defensive end is, is where they should be uh, be looking, uh, and and it's pretty much wide open as far as where, which direction they want to go. This is where uh, you you definitely try to fill a need, but you also stick and stay with the best available player within your needs list. Uh, they need a lot. Uh, is it an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman? It just depends on what their board dictates uh, at that time, and and will they really stay there? Will they acquire another pick? somehow uh, higher than 76 uh, or, or even back into the second round somehow. So, it, you know, you can't uh, you know, discount John Snyder, his ability to move around the draft, uh, and let's see what, uh, what he does in round two. It, it's funny to gauge the fan interest. We do a poll every day, and right now it is, it is really a third, a third, a third. Uh, about a third of the people that have responded say they want him to take a defensive lineman. About a third have said offensive lineman, and about a third have said defensive back or linebacker. What if we promote you to – to, to, to King of the Seahawks this afternoon, and pick number 76 comes up. They haven't made a trade. What do, What's the area of need that you'd address if it were up to you, Tony? You know, I'd probably go defensive end. I, I'd probably sure that up. You can't have enough uh, pass rushers. Cliff Averill's still on the roster, but, uh, you know, it's probably unlikely that he's going to play. Uh, you know, Michael Bennett's gone. Uh, you look at the depth there, and they've got uh, Jordan and a couple other guys that have, have flashed some good production, they have, have good athleticism. Uh, but I, I think building the depth in their in their defensive front rotation would be key uh, in, in, the, in the third round. I, I think they have to address that. Uh, and then you move on and, and take care of, uh, you know, possibly a corner, an offensive lineman. Uh, or uh, don't discount a tight end. Uh, I, I think that uh, a tight end is, is possibly in the mix as well. The uh, we we discussed him briefly uh, last night, and Shaquem Griffin is that is third round the target for him in the draft. I, that's where I have him. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you know he is a um, he's a dynamic outside linebacker. I think he's a three four outside linebacker. I think he's going to be a nightmare on special teams. He's got the size, the speed, 
Uh, he's got the football instincts. Uh, he's, uh, he's tenacious. He's an explosive hitter. Uh, I, I haven't targeted uh, bottom of the second, top of the third, just because of his height, weight, speed, and his workout at the Combine. That was one of the best I'd seen in a long time. And, you know, forget the fact that he, only, he doesn't have a left hand. Uh, he is an exceptional football player and an outstanding person. Uh, in the first round yesterday, everybody now today writes about, you know, these are teams that did well, these are teams that didn't. What was the biggest eyebrow raiser for you? What did you hear or see a team do yesterday that made you scratch your head and kind of wonder what they're up to? You know, I, I think uh, I think it has to be Cleveland right off the bat. Uh, they took uh, the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, uh, which was okay. I mean, they feel that that was a good fit for them. Then they take a 5'10 corner in Ward out of Ohio State, which is not indicative of a Ron Wolf uh, disciple. I mean, they're usually six-foot uh, corners or, or taller, uh, shut-down guys. And, you know, I, I like Ward. Um, you know, I had him in my top three as my third guy. Uh, but just uh, his man-cover skills versus larger receivers uh, kind of fell off. That's what, what the difference of the top three were for me. Uh, and he landed third because of that. So I, I was a little, I was a little shocked, and I'm, I'm generally not shocked. I'm usually surprised on them taking him uh, with the fourth overall pick. Just uh, Tony, going back to, to Griffin just for a second. At 76, would that be a fit here? Do you see him being um, someone that would work well with what Seattle does defensively? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, you know he's he's can cover in space uh, regardless of not having the left hand. Uh, you know, I think he's more of a weak outside linebacker, not a Sam. Um, but, uh, you know, if you get a guy like that, a dynamic off the edge, rush the passer, put him in certain situations in your nickel and dime package, uh, you know, I think he'd be very, very effective. And, again, I think he's going to be a special teams nightmare. I really do. Hey, one of the uh, Earl Thomas stories today that has bubbled up is uh, Mike Silver from NFL Network saying that uh, he's uh, learned that there are two teams that have put forth offers to the Seahawks, we would assume the Cowboys are one of those two. Puck and I were talking, Tony, it, it only makes sense that if there's a second team, it has to be a pretty good team, right? I mean, a, a bad team would have to think they've got no chance of keeping Earl past this year. It has to be somebody who's in the mix for the championship if they're if they're serious about trying to get Earl to stay past one year. Is that a good assumption, do you think? Yeah, that's a good assumption, and, and it's exactly what uh, John Snyder and those guys did last year, which you don't do is you don't sign a guy for a one-year deal not knowing if you can sign him back and give away your second-round pick. Mm. That, that, is, that is just a no-no. Uh, so I've, I've heard the same thing. I read it this morning in a couple different places that uh, the Cowboys are still thinking about the possibility. Uh, Seattle uh, you know, wants that 50th pick second round, uh, but they're having a hard time figuring if they can even sign uh, Earl past uh, uh, you know, a long-term deal. And so it, it, they called it a rental player, which I laughed at, but that's exactly what it is. And that's what Sheldon Richardson was. Don't give up your two and, you, and, and not knowing if you can sign that guy back to a long, long-term deal. Are you not getting value? Let's say Dallas comes back and they've been, they've been hesitant to go past this reported second round, 50th overall pick. They come back and they say, all right, we'll give you a second and a third, the 50th and the 81st. Is that, is that good value for Earl Thomas? Yeah, that's what I've been saying all along. I, I, I thought one was too high. I thought uh, two twos or a two and a three uh, and possibly a, a two and a player uh, is, uh, you know, that would be the, the parameters on trading. Uh, two and a three, 
uh, that keeps the conversation alive. And, and I'm not really sure that John and Pete want to get rid of Earl. I'm not really sure. Else they would have already done that. I mean, uh, a two, a two twos or a two and a three. Uh, that's generally what people would do. Um, and they know they're not going to be able to sign up to a long-term deal next year. Uh, so, I mean, it's still the possibility is still uh, on the table. It, for me, it's about a 50-50 split. If the other team that was interested was the Rams, would you would you listen at all if you're the Hawks? Uh, they're, they're, they're a rising beast in this division, Tony. Would you, If they put together a package, you're like, wow, this is really kind of above what we thought we'd get. Would you listen or would you, would you just quietly kind of hang the phone up and say, uh, sorry, uh, no thanks? No, you'd be very cordial and say thanks, but uh, no thanks. You never, you never, <laughs> no. you never give up a, a dynamic player like that to uh, someone in your, uh, your your division. That just is uh, that's just cutting your own throat. And uh, he would, I mean, you already got Sherman and Frisco. You let him go to the Rams. Oh my goodness, that would be a total nightmare. Uh, and you have to play those uh, two teams twice. So yeah, no, you never. You never trade a dynamic player like that into the division. I'm thinking more from a sports radio talk show host perspective. It would be delightful <laughs> from what we do. It would be glorious. <laughs> but I agree with you yeah, from the would. football perspective. The uh, Tony, who's the uh, Harold Landry right now? The best player available. Say that again. I, I kind of lost. Is, is Landry right now the best player available? I mean, who who are the guys as we get ready for day two later today uh, at four o'clock? Oh yeah, Landry's Landry's definitely a guy, but he won't be there at seventy six. No, no, I'm just uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying today when when the second round starts, the best player that available right now, not for sale. Just who's the best player that hasn't been picked yet? Well, I think Landry. You got to look at. I think uh, there's several of the tight ends. Uh, there's multiple receivers. Uh, I think that uh, you know you got to look at uh, the running backs for sure. Uh, those guys are sitting there at the top of the draft, and and like John and Pete said yesterday, it was such a a big group of runners, you know, you got Nick Chubb and, and the rest of the group sitting there. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, look for, uh, look for uh, Landry to come off multiple receivers and tight ends uh, early. Uh, really, really surprised me too. The one thing that surprised me guys is uh, two centers getting drafted in the first round. Hmm. I mean, that, right. I, mean, I was just shaking my head at that. That was, that was crazy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been a uh, kind of a crazy deal uh, early. A lot of things happen. Uh, look for the second round, not to disappoint. You think, you think they'll go? I mean, how many linemen do you think the Seahawks will take in the course of this draft? Because when you look at their roster, you know we all could debate whether or not this roster is good with linemen, but they've got they got a lot of them, and they and it feels like every position is pretty much penciled out. Yeah, you, offense or defensive linemen is a, it, offensive linemen, offensive linemen for Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, offensive linemen. Uh, I, I would say, and, and I've been saying that the, the five are, are solid. I know a lot of people disagree with me with that, and and Afedi is still uh, on the on the uh, on the job training, if you will. Uh, and Fluker is more of a, a road grader than a pass blocker. But when you get that group together and they can become a cohesive unit at some point, uh, that I think that's going to be a pretty good unit. And then you have depth, Rizzo Liambo and and several other guys. Fant uh, can be your swing guys at offensive guard, and offensive tackle. Joy Hunt at the backup center is not ideal, but he's an emergency player. Uh, and Posick uh, is is a starter at left guard, so I, I think they're solid there. Defensive is defensively is where uh, it, it it looks better on paper than people are giving credit for. I think Tom Jackson's a hell of a player. The other young man that they got from Minnesota is uh, 27 years old and up and coming. So I, and, and with going on with Jared Reed and and uh, Naz, 
uh, I, I think that is that's solid. Uh, you you got uh, the big guy outside rushing the passer. You just need another left one, uh, another left defensive end. So I, I think that uh, uh, the depth at defensive end uh, is is going to be critical, and I think that's where they'll target uh, in uh, day two, possibly, and, and and definitely address it in in the third day of the draft. The best of the biz, Tony Softly. Uh, breaking down the NFL draft. All right, buddy, we'll we'll uh, check in with you later tonight. All right, man, talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. Tony Softly. Again, our NFL draft coverage brought to you by, of course, Frost Brewed Coors Light. Gas, they say, whatever your mountain, climb on. Okay, <laughs> I'm in. I am in. Uh, D. Gordon, who has been awesome so far the start of the Mariners baseball season patrolling center field also hitting in the leadoff spot and uh, he's fast he is going to join the uh, radio program next and he's going to have fun and the gas man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage sports radio 950 KJR hey this isn't NFL music I know music this will be uh, the uh, when when Goodell comes out later today. He's going to come out to the box. Can I tell you my favorite part of this song? I grew up with this song. I've heard it seven million times. My favorite Great part song. of this song is is the lyric where he goes ha, hu, hu, ha, right before the one solo. Love it. Just uh, love everything because I, I, I wrote guy. that actually. He called me and says, "What should we add here? <laughs> add a ha, 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 and, and then you'll make millions. It'll be awesome. You'll, there is an absolute Twitter war now raging <laughs> between you. Furness is dialed in. Divish is dialed oh. in. Everyone is just. And I've had. To, I've had to go public. Are you public. putting out flames? I'm, no, I'm, I'm. I'm riding with silver. I'm not <laughs> abandoning my boy. I'm not abandoning Mike. He knows what the hell he's talking about. Here's I'm just problem. having fun and being a smart ass. I, well, Mike's getting a little too sensitive about this. Not you, Mike. Mike Silver. This is the problem, though, Puck, is because gas gets to leave in a couple months, and and you know. It's fine. Everything's fine. Now we don't get to have silver on again. You yes. can have it when I listen. I've I've got days off. You can come on when he can come on when no, gas is no, here. Look at the tweet. It said it's a, that goes for with, all of KJR. He'll come on. Oh, with has he blackballed all of us? He now? says he says this goes for all of KJR. No, man, says, oh man. Uh, no, come on. Oh. Make make sure to call me to come on your lame show. I'm like Mike. I've I've never called you to come on our lame show. He's uh, uh, I did, and and, and he's no, now referring gas. to me as being on a lame show. No, which, well. Uh, this well, whole thing. The Bellevue Press Democrat has called this show yeah. not lame. You came in and you were in a salty mood today. You started firing rockets all over Twitter, and one of them landed. And whether he's being sensitive or not, you've created a tough situation for everybody now. <laughs> On a day that should be full of joy and you, love. You and I share in the make not making news, making news NFL. Oh, no, look, yeah, I, hey, I, the, the NFL creates more news than any organization in the history of the world. Yeah, I mean, the... the, the hey, excuse are... me, ESPN, could you report that Tom Brady hasn't indicated if he's coming back yet? Yes, we sure will, the, okay. The crux of the issue, and he's not the only one, was Earl Thomas could be traded today, could not be traded today, he could be on the team. But he also reported okay. that there were two offers, which, I, you know, that, sure. that's that a little bit of a news story. Sure. And, you know, again, you could break it down and say, well, what he said was there are two offers on the table. The Hawks also have the room to keep him if they want to. I know. I just. I think you started a war here. I'm just having fun with I, the reporting of, and he's not, of saying, I, I, Jackson could tweet right now. I think Earl Thomas could be traded today. Yes, but as Gas said, he actually reported there were two teams involved. It was actually I, I, something. I'm pretty sure others have had, there's multiple teams. Well, so attack them. 
Yes. Well, sure. We, well, well, you're attacking. You, I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm in the midst okay. of this now. Now I'm going to have to be like, you know, some peacemaker. Uh, he just said, hey, hey, he responded back. You cackle on the radio for hours and hours without mm-hmm. reporting anything uh, definitive. Well, yeah, I'm not a reporter. I tweet one update while rushing to catch a flight, and you think it's not journalism. I, I never said that. Make sure to call me to come on your lame show. I just tweeted back to him. We may call you. We may not call you. There's a chance we could cackle today. We may not cackle today. See, you know, Mike, things uh, are fluid. You're escalating tensions is what God. you're doing. <laughs> no, you're escalating. It's fine. Look, it's fine. I'm, I'm just saying this is what you're doing. Am I making you having to, to call him later today? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, Silver and I, so, so I'm, I'm cool with Silver, and he's right. cool with me. We'll be fine. But uh, but this is uh, this you know, this is a legendary KJR guy here. He's been been a contributor for years, and you and 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 Furness has jumped on, and Divish has jumped on. The whole the whole mafia crew has jumped. Akito will be in there any minute now, firing his shots. And, and we'll somehow sitting, Larry Stone, because he went to Cal, like Silver has Stone been is probably in. like me. He's like, don't bring me into this. I had nothing to do with this. What the hell? Uh, we're waiting for uh, for D Gordon to call in for. He's the not Mariners. calling because he's on yeah. the phone with Silver right now. He's a big Silver. F- Silver, call them. Do not go on with that lame show. Whatever you do, don't go Whatever on with Whatever you them. do, do not go on. Uh, so uh, D. Gordon, well, it gives us a chance. We'll wait for D. to, to give us a, a ring in. He was 286-314 on base this year. He had a triple last night. It, they recorded it that they do that MLB stat cast. It's the fastest triple this year. Fastest since last year, I believe, when uh, Draw Dyson uh, had the fastest triple last year. Mariners with a big win yesterday. Uh, they're over the Cleveland Indians. And the great news thing about it is, you know, they've taken out some aces. They beat Corey Kluber in game one. Mm-hmm. They get Corey Kluber tonight against Ramirez. I think we've got the pitching matchup advantage in this one. But they get Mike Clevenger uh, last night who came in with a sub-2 ERA. And they get the win, and they just they just keep winning. Well, and last night I thought was their most complete game of the season. They just look good from start to finish. The only nervousness I have, you know, and again, and hopefully this is going to start happening because it's almost May, you know, uh, Eagle guy here, we thought about making the number one starter. He's got to start getting into the seventh inning once in a while. He has not pitched into the seventh inning and, one time this year. And he's that's looking, a concern. And, and he, and, uh, yeah, that's right. It's a, you know, He's overall, he's been okay. Yes. But, again, concern is exactly how I'd put it. Like, they have, they've had very few pitchers this year. I want to say it's two of them on two different occasions. I looked this up the other day, and then, of course, I didn't write it down, that have actually worked into the seventh inning. We're opposed to like someone like Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber has worked into the seventh inning in every single start uh, this season. And then on opening day when the when the Mariners beat him, he went eight innings, six hits, and two earned runs. And so uh, Corey Kluber, I mean, again, the difference there being that they've got guys working in the seventh. You're, that's a great point. James Pax's next step is we we got to get into yeah. the seventh inning. we got to start completing some seventh innings. And this is May, and, I mean, he was healthy through spring. I mean, th- this should not even be an issue. Again, yeah. for a guy who right. you were debating – a month and a half ago, hey, is he our number one guy? Do we want him to start? And, and you know, if you're gonna be a number one guy, you got to start eating up a little more innings. And I, like, he, uh, it, it's hardly like that'd be a news bulletin yeah, right. to him. He knows it. Uh, but again, even with all that, last night, offensively, defensively, uh, they let a lead get away and then came right back and got on top of it. Having Zanino back is so cool. Uh, and then Fast Eddie at the end, and you know, the Indians. It's funny when you would have looked at the schedule during the offseason, you see got they got to play the Indians seven times in the first month of the yeah. season. They're not the beast they were a couple of well, years say, ago. Listen, you, you beat them all right. You already once you already took a series from once. You got mm-hmm. a chance to do it again if you, you can somehow uh you know get it done in the, in this series and it's a great start with the 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 first win in it. 
I don't know. I I just love so much about yesterday. They they had the game o- on over at the at the VMAX, so kind of watching the draft as the, they were leading up to the draft, and then you know once uh you know once the draft started, they, you know they flipped it off, but you know then you can just follow it you know on on your computer. It was just a it was a fun game because they got a good pitching performance. They got good defense. You know that play that uh, that Gamble made in the ninth inning where they all where he Seager and Segura were all running to it, and Gamble made that sliding kind of basket catch. That was mm-hmm. a huge play. It's nice to see Seager who who was he's had kind of been up and down, which is kind of typical for Seager in the beginning of the season. He responded with with a great game. The three hits. He had the huge double there in the eighth inning. It scored Ichiro. We saw an Ichiro sighting. Came in for a pinch runner for Nelson Cruz and scored from second. How about that, huh? Yeah, it's a big moment. Hey, there. Ichiro, go sub the, go get Cruz here. And uh, yeah, and hasn't faced a right hander yet. But, hasn't had uh, an at bat. Right, has not had a plate appearance a, no. since the game where he had two hits, right, and two walks. Yeah, I mean that that, that to me is as big a mystery about this whole thing as there is. Yeah. Is okay. Maybe the bigger mystery is, geez, why, why is he here? Why did Heredia sure. go down? But, okay, all right, we've argued that, and we've discussed I don't think them. he wants to – I mean, I'll just speculate. I don't think he wants to play him. I don't think Service wants to right. put him in. That, but because to me – but what, what's weird is, so they send Heredia down, and Ichiro plays that first day against Texas. He gets two hits. He draws two walks, and you go, okay. Yeah. Now, I'm not necessarily saying they should bench Gamble all week, but maybe it surprises me that here we are on a Friday and he has not had a plate appearance since the, a game that was offensively his and best game of the year. And it's not like Gamble's heating it up. I mean, he was right. over 3 again last night, and he's hitting 125 with an on-base of 192. I know he just came back, but again, he has, the offense hasn't started to get going right now for Ben Gamble. Here, here's the number that, that when I was reading the excellent notes that are put together by the world's best PR person in the history of Seattle sports, Kelly Monroe, mm-hmm. and I love her to death. They are uh, they're ten and three in games decided by two runs or fewer. That just tells you the bullpen's doing its job. The bullpen is just doing. Zepchinski needs to get it going. Alta Villa can be up and down. Was great last night. Uh, Nicasio, he's terrific. Terrific, and then Fast Eddie, nineteen pitches, ten strikes, two strikes. Had the one one, saves his eleventh game of the year. Bullpen's doing its doing its job. They look good last night. It's exciting to think about this series. They've been playing well on the road. First month of the season, almost in the books, and and so far you got to be fairly happy with what you're seeing. Congratulations to D. Gordon. He gets our Jenkins Mower of the Week for Boy. the interview today. Hopefully, we'll catch up with him. Perhaps maybe next segment. Uh, D. Gordon uh, with the Seattle Mayors, but it was a fine segment. 1901. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hey, one more uh, uh, a note and, and our apologies. I don't think we could uh, connect uh, with D Gordon of the Mariners to, today. That's okay. Things happen. He's probably getting lotion. No, I don't think that. That's an after workout type thing. You don't want to still get, might. You don't want to get your lotion on before the game. That ain't gonna help you at all. He's fast enough. Jose Mesa excuse. Uh, can't do the interview. Sorry, Gas. I'm putting lotion. On. I'm putting on lotion. Think of the uh, think if if he's if he's what he looks like. How old is uh, is is D. D Gordon? Gordon? Thirty years old. I th- let me double check. I think that's about right. Yeah. So thirty years old. Think of the think of the legacy. You know, you start thinking about legacy positions. Just had a birthday in this town. You know, he's he's following in the shoes of, of a couple of pretty good guys who've played out there. I mean, one of them maybe the greatest of all time in junior. Cameron was was terrific yeah. for four or five years here. Yeah. Uh you, you know, it, and there's others going back, but I mean it, it it's interesting to think about uh to, to think about it in that context. He's he's a different 
kind of center fielder. Absolutely. But uh, boy, is he! And and again, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been flawless. There's been a couple of not not like glaring mistakes, but a couple of things that yeah, yeah. you could have taken some better routes to balls. But it's going to be a learning experience right. for him because he's playing a new position for the very first time. But his speed and athleticism, he will pick it up. He'll get. I mean. By the all-star break, he's going to be a thousand times better than he was be- before the beginning of the season. And when the season's over, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be so much better at it. Who were we talking to? Somebody you know, was saying, I said, you know, here's the thing. Um, we we observe these games and we just kind of go, oh, well, he's going to learn center field. Like it's some easy thing. <laughs> right. right. You, you know, this is really the remarkable thing about it is uh, is is what he's what he's been able to do, given the fact he's pretty new at the it's job. Massively difficult. I used to always joke around with Walter Jones. Geez, Walt, why can't he just go from left tackle to right tackle, right, or right yeah. tackle to left tackle? I mean, it's a tackle position. You just got to learn like it's the other foot that drops back first. And Walter would be like, I couldn't do it. Walter, now I think he's fibbing me, but. He would always tell me and others that I don't, I wouldn't, it'd be hard for me to go play right tackle. I like, think Walter, so. you're like the best left tackle who's ever played the game. Oh, yeah, no, but you don't know. It's it's completely different. The, the, it's, it's, I, like, it's like reading, it's like Chinese, man. I, you can't do it. I'm assuming the footwork is different. Oh, I'm yeah. assuming the, the, you know, your angles, how you, how you turn your hips. I mean, obviously that's different. It It's, you know, I, I think it's more difficult than we think. And, and the guys that can do a lot of things on a baseball team are always intriguing to me. What'll be uh, fun to see is as if, uh, and and I don't know why I always want to call him Snyder, and that's really not fair. But but if D Gordon gets good enough in center field that they ultimately don't want him to replace Cano, because I think the thinking man's wisdom is yeah that that Gordon that eventually they'll scoot Cano over to first base. Yep, because they have what five more years left on his deal, uh, something like that. And and and, sc- and then and then bring Gordon in, and then they'll find somebody else to play center field. But that could get thrown off if Gordon's good enough. They go, hey, you know what? Why? Why bother moving? Let's find another second baseman. Keep him out there. I, I know everyone's. We're going to get back to the draft at noon with lunch with listeners because it's a it's a Friday, so it's a Georgetown beer Friday. Mm-hmm. It is a People's Court Friday. What's our People's Court topic it's today? A, so people can chew on it a little. Yes bit. Yes or no? Do you like the Rashad Penny pick? It's pretty simple. We need twelve jurors at twelve o'clock for lunch with listeners. Brought to you by the Other Coast Cafe uh, to decide. Help us vote. And one of you will receive not only a, a wonderful gift card for lunch at the Other Coast Cafe, the world's greatest sandwich shop, locations in Ballard, Queen Anne, and Capitol Hill, and also a gift card to a Georgetown Brewery. Yes or no is the vote. Do you like the Rashad Penny pick for the Seahawks yesterday at 27? Pretty simple. And, of course, 25 bucks to Jimmy Max at 1230 is puck-a-schmuck. We've got a good puck-a-schmuck thing, and, uh, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's it's what's it's a great Friday. We can start. Yeah, you know, I almost feel like we can start mailing it in from this yeah, point on. There really isn't much to do in the final. Is hour. we're going to get back to football? But one thing that I I don't want on this day because it's all draft. It's all Seahawks. Got to give me more Seahawks. You know, like a heroin addict. You got a good bit. You have a you have a good baseball team right now. I, Bucky and I were sitting there last night at the draft, fourteen and ten. This is exactly. I think we we because I remember in the beginning of the season going after twenty five games. Mm-hmm. Boy, if they're you know, fifteen and ten, fourteen eleven, that'd be great. What if they're, and they're uh, just oh. off to a really good start? I'm excited because they're still not at full strength, mm-hmm. and uh, they're playing pretty good baseball. Man. What if they go uh, and maybe they'll do better? What if, if they go one and two in these next three games? They're fifteen and twelve, and they have stayed on yeah. the five and four yes. pace. Three, you three consecutive five and fours. You're headed towards ninety wins yeah. if you keep doing that. So and then, yeah, they're, and they're good. You, here's the thing: forget what the records and everything. We could just anecdotally look at good. it. And go, That's a good you know, lineup. They're a pretty decent team. They yeah. they they seem to have put together a pretty decent squad. And 
yeah, you know, unfortunately, they've got two really good teams in their division, and that's going to be a, something they're probably going to have to deal with all year, and it may ultimately be their undoing. But for now, keep making hay, man. Keep stacking up wins. Keep uh, keep stacking up hits and, and fun do little, what you do. It'll be a fun little brief little homestand because they'll have three against Oakland, and then they'll have three against the Angels. So we'll see Otani come into town. Now, I don't think you'll see him pitch. Had he not had the blister on his hand, uh, he would have pitched I'm pretty sure for sure on Sunday. He, I think, if I have it right, he still could pitch Sunday, but it would be like on five days rest, and he has not pitched on five days rest yet mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they could massage it if they wanted to and put him in there. But uh, that's a fun fun series, and this should be – listen, that should be a great you – know, I don't know about the Tuesday through Thursday series against Oakland, but the Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Angels, who are – Red Hot with Otani coming into town. Yeah. Uh, that should be a well-attended series for uh, Mariner fans. I'll head off, though, any any spec- if, if people start freaking out that it's not as well-attended as they think. I kind of agree with you. The Angel series in particular should get. Oh. But at the end of the day, I don't want to get too caught up in what crowd numbers are now because, because this team's still got a lot of proving to do, and the franchise does. I wouldn't get on the fans for not coming back too quickly just because, look, it's been a lot of years. Hey, man. But I think baseball fans know. They're looking right now and they go, hey, this looks like a I'm never going to get on the attendance, especially at this time of year. I'm a fair weather fan. I, I will, I, in terms of going and sitting in that. Now, mm-hmm. listen, I went to the second game of the year and I told you, or was that the th- third game of the year? The Sunday, the, uh, 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 um, uh, what day was that? Uh, whatever. The first Sunday game of the homestand. It was freezing cold. Right. And oh, it's yeah. miserable yeah. to be sitting outside watching baseball when it's 40 degrees out. Right. It's and, not fun. And, and you're next to a huge body of water, so it's a damp cold yeah. you're getting. And, yeah, it's, not it's enough no beer in the stadium can keep you warm. Uh, lunch, well, I tried, but it didn't work. Lunch with listeners brought to you by the Other Coast Cafe is coming up next. Simple. It's a, it's a People's Court Friday. Yes or no? Do you like the Rashad Penny pick there at number 27? You vote. You're in the hat. Gift card to the Other Coast Cafe Sandwich Shop. Three locations, Ballard, Queen Anne, and Capitol Hill. Also, gift card uh, to Georgetown Brewery. Also, coming up at 1230 is Puckishmuck. Waiting down this road.